Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! We are now cruising severely into the offseason for the Miami Dolphins here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Wednesday, January the 3rd edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the very first change of 2018, a new coach coming on board to join Adam Gaze's staff. Also, in honor of Monday's college football playoff games, we talk about which players from those two games would make the most sense for Miami in the NFL draft. And lastly, I talk about those NFL playoffs, including my Super Bowl prediction for the year, and tell you how it proves just how quickly Miami can bounce back to their 2016 form. But first, I have to remind you guys, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating and review. You guys know the drill by now. It helps the podcast grow, get out to more Dolphins, helps me out, helps you out, helps everybody out. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. You can follow the show at LockedOnFins. And of course, check out LockedOnDolphins.com for all your daily written Dolphins content needs. We have six new writers pumping out content all the time right now, and in addition to my work as well. So Locked On Dolphins, full of good stuff on there. And of course, don't forget to check out the other Locked On Sports podcast, including the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And let's go ahead and jump right into the first topic today, talking about the new addition to the Dolphins coaching staff, or at least what's reported reportedly going to happen here in the very near near future. Adam Gaze reportedly hooking back up with one of his former coaches or former associates, I guess would be the better way to put it, a guy that worked under Adam Gaze in Chicago in 2015 when they both worked with Jay Cutler and that Chicago Bears offense. Dial Loggins, of course, the guy I'm talking about, potentially joining the Dolphins staff as an head coach's assistant. Not necessarily sure what his exact role will be, but you have to figure it works into the running game. As Adam Gaze has intimated several times, before that he wants to add a running game coordinator. There was a problem the Dolphins had with Chris Forster this year, obviously the running game coordinator who didn't quite work out long-term for the Miami Dolphins as he was doing more inappropriate things at work rather than actually working on football. So he's out. Dolphins never really had a chance to replace that guy. I know they had a couple of other guys that came in and kind of did a bang up together job and uh, tag teaming the job, if you will. And they got the most out of Kenyon Drake, but just the Dolphins' run concepts were kind of flawed throughout the year. And early in the year, I think you see why it was flawed so much with J.A.J. and the same types of running concepts and just pounding their head into the brick wall and going with things that didn't work over and over and over again, negative run after negative run. So you bring in Dowell Loggins, and you hope that he can kind of bounce some things off Coach Gaze. And I, I've seen a lot of hate on Twitter about this potential move and bringing in Dowell Loggins, a guy that Bears fans cannot stand. But, I mean, 100% of fans across the NFL seem to hate their offensive coordinator when 99% of those fans don't even know what play calling is like or what goes into play calling. So that's just kind of the vibe you get from most teams fan bases. So he has a bad reputation with the Chicago Bears fans, but I think coming in and kind of taking a secondary role, being a guy that just can look at film, help the Dolphins maybe self-scout a little better, give Adam Gaze different ideas. We've heard him talk about his ability to go ahead and delegate and how he allows coaches to coach and he's not he doesn't have too big of an ego to where he says, I'm going to take care of all this stuff because there's just not enough hours in an NFL week for a coach to get ready for a game by himself. That's why you have to put a good staff around yourself and trust those guys to do the jobs that you hired them to do. So 
if they can get that out of Dow Loggins and just kind of give another mind that kind of thinks in the same way. And, and, you know, I kind of compare it to like a business where you think big picture and you want a consultant that can kind of see the same vision as the, the guy in charge has and kind of assist him in that way and bounce ideas off of him. And that just kind of think, I think that kind of helps everybody in that, in the sense of lightening the workload and also giving new fresh ideas. So sounds like Dow Loggins will come over and join Adam Gaze back in Miami. I'm not sure what that means for Clyde Christensen, who was kind of in that role as offensive coordinator slash assistant to Adam Gaze this season, but Dow Loggins history going back to his first year in the NFL. He worked as an offensive quality control coordinator for the Tennessee Titans from 08 to 09. He was a quarterback's coach in 2010 to 2012, and then he gets promoted to the offensive coordinator position in 2012 through 2013. In 2014, he gets demoted, goes back to a quarterback's coach with the Cleveland Browns, jumps over to the Chicago Bears in 2015 to be a quarterback's coach, and then in 2016 up until 2017 was the offensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears. So sounds like as John Fox leaves that program there, he's going to start cleaning out that staff, or I guess the Bears and Ryan Pace, their GM, will start cleaning out that entire coaching staff. So Dow Loggins becomes available, calls up an old friend, Adam Gaze, a guy that they've worked together with, and... One more point on this before we move on to the next segment here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast is another argument that I saw was that Gaze needs to get himself more familiar with the unfamiliar and kind of try to go outside of his own bubble. And I, I agree with this when it comes to players because we saw the Julius Thomas thing did not work out this year. Ted Larson did not work out. Jermon Bushrod for two years has not worked out. Jay Cutler did not work out, even though that was kind of, you know, I know he made the decision to bring in Jay Cutler, but it's kind of forced upon you when your quarterback goes down in the first week of August. So he has this history of bringing in guys that he knows. And when it comes to players, maybe not the best idea. I mean, I understand wanting to work with a guy that you know and that you trust can be a hard worker and all these things, but you also have to take into account the way players' bodies can break down and things can change on a not even just a year-to-year basis, but a week-to-week basis in this league, as we all well know. So, But bringing in a coach is different because... These guys are locked in the room, not a room together, but a facility together for, what, 18 hours a day? I mean, the most demanding job, really, that you can imagine in terms of hours worked in in the country, really. I mean, I'm sure there are more demanding jobs, but being an NFL head coach is just not good for your health. And so I think that one thing you can do to kind of mitigate that stress and those that severe pressure that you are under as an NFL head coach is to bring in guys that you like being around and guys that you trust and you guys that you have a history with. So I don't have a problem with it from that standpoint. I know everyone wanted him to go out and get like some kind of all-star coaching staff, but that's just not how it works. It's kind of an old boys club in terms of, you know, you go with what you know in terms of the coaches around you and the guys that you place around you. So Dow Loggins worked with Adam Gaze in Chicago for just one year. Sounds like he's going to be joining the Dolphins coaching staff in 2018. And that was your first official move of the 2018 season for the Miami Dolphins as we prepare to try to put the 2017 season behind us and move on to greener pastures in 2018. And speaking of moving on, talking about coaches that might be a little more comparable to Adam Gaze in terms of what you can expect from him. I know that Adam Gaze has come under a lot of fire for a 6-10 and season in year number two, but just kind of going back to some coaches that have had a lot of success in the league and guys that have been with their particular teams for multiple years and coming up on a decade for some of these guys or even more than that for some of these guys as well. But I kind of wanted to riff on talking about some of the struggles that some of these other coaches have had, even guys that had success in their first year. And the one that I point to is Sean Payton. And one article I saw, I can't remember who wrote it. I can't remember what avenue it came through, which publication it was. They talked about how in order to find a good coach, you're going to have to be willing to endure some seven and nine, eight and eight types of seasons because that's just what happens in NFL. Turnover happens so often and there's so many coaching changes and guys moving teams and there's just, it's 
difficult to sustain sustain success in this league. And Sean Payton gets hired in 2006, has an awesome year with the Saints, albeit they only go 10-6. and six. They find their way into the postseason. They win the divisional playoff round. They get into the NFC Championship game, get waxed there by the Chicago Bears. And then in 07, they go 7-9. and nine. In 2008, they go 8-8 eight and eight before their 2009 season where they go 13-3 and three and win the Super Bowl. And then 11 wins, 13 wins. Back to seven wins, 11 wins, and then seven wins, seven, seven, and now 11 again. So that was one, two, three, four, five, seven win seasons for Sean Payton out of 12 tries, one, eight, and eight season. So half of Sean Payton's seasons have been 500 or worse in the NFL. He hasn't had the six and 10 or worse like Adam Gase did this year, but it just kind of shows you that, I mean, do you view Sean Payton as a good coach? Because I, I certainly do in terms of what he does on offense. So it just goes to show you that that's not necessarily always the underlying factor of coaches that get it done like that. Let's talk about some other coaches that have had similar paths in the NFL, looking at like Mike Tomlin for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He comes in in year one and albeit inherits a fantastic Steelers team. In year one, he goes 10 and six, loses in the playoff round. And then year two goes back at 12 and four, wins a Super Bowl. And then the next year regresses to nine wins, gets back to 12 wins, 12 wins again the next year, and then goes eight wins, eight wins, 11 10 and 13. So he had a couple of years dip there. I mean, do you think Steelers fans are calling for Mike Tomlin there, even though he has a loaded roster and he's winning only eight games with guys like Ben Roethlisberger and then Antonio Brown even? I mean, it's just there's a lot of volatility to what goes into this game. And, you know, a couple of bounces here and there can determine wins and losses. And I hate to see the Dolphins give up on a good coach because they lost their quarterback or because they had a hurricane. Or You know, I'm gonna go, not going to go over all the excuses again, but it just seems so silly to dismiss a coach that early when – Pretty much every coach that's ever coached has had a season where he's gone seven and nine or eight and eight. And you look at Bill Belichick, even in his second year after a Super Bowl title, after going eleven and five and winning the whole thing, he goes eight and eight the following year. So it just happens. I mean, I'm not saying Adam Gaze won a Super Bowl and got that string to, to you know that rope to hang himself with because Sean Payton, Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick, these guys are all Super Bowl winners. But it just goes to show you that even the best coaches have mediocre seasons. It's going to happen across the NFL landscape every now and then. This is the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, at Wingfield NFL. And of course, LockedOnDolphins.com, where there is plenty of good written Dolphins content right now. Currently, I'm working on a series called The Exit Interviews. Up today is the wide receivers. Yesterday was running backs. Monday was quarterbacks. Those are all live right now on LockedOnDolphins.com, as well as some work from Kadeem Simmons, Jason Harina, uh, William Rogers put a piece up this weekend. I believe Joseph Lopardo did. So we have all kinds of writers putting up pieces on the website. Check all that out. And of course, the exit interviews series that will feature every single position group talking about their stats, their PFF grades, as well as their film study here on the Lockdown Dolphins Network and the Lockdown Dolphins Podcast. For the second segment on the show here in the Lockdown Dolphins podcast for January the 3rd, I wanted to talk about the college football playoff because I watched those games as you are one to, I'm sure, know that I was doing yesterday or as I record this on Tuesday night back on Monday and talking about some of the players from those two games, those four teams that just produce talent year after year. Pretty crazy to see the way those schools turn out talent. And the first player I want to talk about, Roquan Smith. He has a really rough first half, couldn't get off blocks, couldn't shed blocks, kind of a little bit undersized. But the Georgia Bulldogs know how to use him in terms of freeing him up and getting him into space, getting him help in coverage, getting him playing downhill on on the sideline, like stretch types of plays or screen plays where they get it out wide. And he was as dominant as ever. One of the things I liked about watching him in that game was his form tackling. He does a great job putting his shoulders and his helmet in between his the ball carrier's numbers on the jersey and just arriving and a form wrap where he kind of goes to the ground and, and makes those, you know, locks his, his wrist up to the back of the player's legs 
and just squeezes and goes down and takes him down. What a sure tackler he is. And I heard in the Move the Sticks podcast today with Daniel Jeremiah, who my best or my favorite draft analyst that there is in the business, talking about how he had a conversation with everybody that works in Georgia's program, saying that Roquan Smith is a better kid than he is player. So big time ups there. Sony Michelle, the running back, the big explosive ability. I think he'd be a great fit with Kenyon Drake. Scheme diverse, can catch the football, can pass protect, do a little bit of everything. Very good player there for Georgia. So he's a running back to watch for in the mid rounds as well, simply because I think actually probably earlier rounds, but the Dolphins or the running back class is so deep. The Dolphins certainly need a running back to go along with Kenyon Drake, but this class is so deep, you can probably get away with taking one a lot later than Sonny Michelle will go. So maybe not in the Dolphins' crosshairs, but definitely a player that I would love to have on Miami. Tight end for Oklahoma, Mark Andrews, a big body, kind of a lumbering type of guy. He can get leverage. He understands route spacing in the defense and how to run routes. He's got very, very sure hands, doesn't drop the football, good red zone threat. I think he could be a great fit for the Dolphins' offense as well in that tight end position that really, really needs to get filled right now. Baker Mayfield, fantastic player, not going to be a Dolphin, so I'm not going to talk about him. And then going on to the other game, talking about Clemson defensive end and Cleland Farrell. He is something else, or Cleland Farrell, I think I got that wrong, but he is one of those bigger body defensive ends, can play a little bit of inside and outside. He kind of reminds me of like Jason Jones, the Dolphins signed back in 2016, with the idea that you want to start him on the outside and kick him inside those nickel pass rushing situations where he can come in from the defensive tackle position, get after the quarterback, kind of collapse the pocket from the inside. So one of those guys that gives the Dolphins more flexibility, a player they like, or a a type of player they like is someone that can give them that kind of flexibility. And maybe someone that can possibly replace William Hayes if he doesn't come back and re-sign with the Dolphins. A guy that can give Cam Wake a breather on the other side because I think Charles Harris is going to be the biggest snap getter of all defensive ends for this team next year. I think you have to go ahead and find someone to supplement, you know, his lack of, his, the, the, Snaps that he won't take, obviously, but also the snaps that Cam Wake won't take on the other side of the defense as well. And then Alabama's defense has a couple of guys I was very keen on as well. Mika Fitzpatrick, I don't think he's going to be there with Miami picks, so that'll be tough to go ahead and predict that to happen, but he is just a fiery physical, fast, you know, can jump out of the gym type of guy. Just looks the part of a a fantastic DB. Would love to get my hands on him. Probably not going to happen though. And then the other linebacker that I would be just as thrilled with about as I am Roquan Smith, Rashawn Evans just has kind of more of that violent mentality, a bigger hitter. He's probably a better blitzer than Roquan Smith. That's I think you can play him in coverage even more so than you could Smith as well. So I think Roquan Smith and Rashawn Evans, between those two guys, I think the Dolphins are going to have to do a lot of homework on those two players because those guys could come in from day one and really, really upgrade this bad third down defense or the bad you know base package run defense and do a lot of things the Dolphins don't have on that side of the football. So the Dolphins in April's draft will pick 11th. Just kind of riffing a little bit off of what we have in terms of in front of them. I think you're going to see four quarterbacks go off the board with Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, and Baker Mayfield. I think that's just how the draft works. Those guys are all first-round talents. They're all going to go that high. So you have four quarterbacks in that top 10 picking there. So you already are down to having just six guys to come off the board for the Miami Dolphins. you got to figure Saquon Barkley's one of them. I think Mika Fitzpatrick will be one of them. Bradley Chubb will be one of them. So now we're down to just three guys that have to go off the board before Miami picks. We keep hearing the chatter about Quentin Nelson, the offensive guard. I think it's too high for a guard, but it seems like the NFL doesn't feel the same way. So you got to figure he goes. So we're down to only needing two names to come off. I'm going to go ahead and say Denzel Ward, the cornerback from Ohio State, who is just a fantastic looking player. Didn't play in the Cotton Bowl, decided to sit out for his long-term perspective reasons. Totally understand that, but he is a good looking player as well. So now you have one player left to go before the Dolphins pick. 
And now you're looking at guys like, obviously, the first offensive tackle to come off the board, Connor Williams, possibly Harold Landry, the defensive end from Boston College, maybe Derwin James, the Florida State safety. I think either way you splice it, you're going to have your shot at a good, you know, Derwin James, the safety from Florida State, possibly Cleveland Farrell, the defensive end from Clemson, Roquan Smith, Rashawn Evans. I think any one of those four guys you might get a good crack at, and that's a pretty crazy list to pick from. So we are way too premature in this stuff. Like I said, the Locked On Dolphins podcast, LockedOnDolphins.com, going to be your guys' daily source for all all Dolphins information, all comprehensive stuff. I got a guy working on the draft. I got a guy working on free agency. We are going to give you guys everything you need, including my three podcasts a week, as well as my written content too. So just keep it locked here, guys, throughout the whole course of the process. We'll get you up to date on who the Dolphins are visiting with in the draft, who they're scouting specifically at the Senior Bowl, who they're meeting with at the Senior Bowl and the scouting combine, everything you guys need right here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, at Wingfield NFL on Twitter. Last segment before I get out of here for the show today, and we actually got the okay from the boss man here, the Locked On Podcast Network, David Locke, the play-by-play man for the Utah Jazz, a very, very fun guy to work for in terms of the Locked On Podcast. I've had a great time doing this with him, getting close to 100 episodes after one season down. It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun, very rewarding too. So he gave us the okay to go ahead and talk about the NFL in general, which I, I don't know about you guys. I know this is a Dolphins podcast, but I love football in any way I can get it. And the NFL is definitely the biggest part of that. So he gave us the go ahead and talk about the NFL playoffs and just kind of looking a text I sent to a friend today talking about the matchups on either side of the league or the conferences, I should say. I feel like you could put any of the NFC NFC teams in a game and you're going to get a good matchup. Whereas in the AFC, I mean, to me, there's really one good matchup, and that's obviously the Patriots and Steelers, the two teams that I want to see in the, in the Super Bowl the least amount. But I think we're pretty much on a collision course for an AFC championship rematch there with the Steelers and Patriots. Again, hopefully Antonio Brown gets back for that. In that wild card round, just going game by game, I think that Kansas City takes care of Tennessee in the wild card round at home. I don't think that the Titans can match up with the Chiefs' pieces on offense as well as their running game hasn't really gotten going, and the Chiefs can do enough to take care of Marcus Merida, who's had a really rough year in terms of his progress going forward as a franchise quarterback. I think Jacksonville takes care of Buffalo without without LaShawn McCoy, and seeing the way he got hurt, there's no way he's playing in that game on Sunday. If he does, he's going to be as ineffective as he was in the game in Miami last year when the Bills came down to Miami and he couldn't really do much on a bum ankle there. So without him, I think that game gets out of hand pretty quickly. The Jaguars move on. So taking the chalk in the AFC, both home teams. And then from there, I think more chalk again. The uh, That will send the Chiefs up to Foxborough. I'm going to take the Patriots there. I just, I mean, do you guys expect anything else? I know it's a good rematch story in terms of the Chiefs going back to Foxborough for the first time since that September week one game. But I, are you going to bet against the Patriots in the playoffs? They've been to the AFC Championship game seven straight years. No reason to think that doesn't go to eight games now. But I do think that's our best chance for an upset in that round is Kansas City at New England winning that game. And then you got Jacksonville at Pittsburgh, another rematch game, another time where the underdog won that game. I think Pittsburgh kind of laughs that off and goes back and takes that one away from them. And then I'm going to I'm gonna say it to you guys, and I hate to do it, but I think the Patriots will get by the Steelers in the AFC Championship game until they beat them. I'm, I mean, I know they, they did beat them technically in the regular season, but until they do it in the playoffs in a big game, I'm not going to pick that. So got the Patriots going through in the AFC. On the NFC side of the ledger, a much more exciting group of games. That Atlanta-LA game is going to be just awesome, I think. And if I'm betting out on that game, I'm taking the Falcons all the way because I trust the experience, the veteran leadership of Matt Ryan over Jared Goff. These guys have been here before. They can kind of have the speed to match up with that Rams offense and what Sean McVay does. I just don't trust 
Jared Goff to make enough throws in that game. I think the Falcons could get on a little bit of a run here and kind of make it interesting in the NFC playoffs. So I'm going to take the road team in primetime under the lights, the Atlanta Falcons taking down the LA Rams. Carolina and New Orleans, I'm going to take chalk there again. So taking the three three out of the four favorites, taking the Saints. I just don't think that they have an answer for Alvin Kamara out of the backfield. The Saints have beaten him twice already. I know Cam Newton is going to want to run the football more, but I just don't think he's going to be able to throw the ball. That's consistency to keep up with Drew Brees and that lightning rod offense of the New Orleans Saints. So that puts the Falcons in Philadelphia. I am going to take the Falcons to upset the Eagles in that game and get onto the NFC Championship game for back-to-back years. I just don't trust Nick Foles. I think he's out of rhythm. I think there's a little bit of tape on him now. He can't get it done anymore. So the Eagles, after a very promising start and the season in really, really disappointing fashion, obviously with their backup quarterback, doesn't help out very much. On the other game, another rematch from the regular season, the Minnesota Vikings hosting the New Orleans Saints from week one. Once again, just like that Patriots and Chiefs game. I'm going to go ahead and take the favorite in that game, the Minnesota Vikings. I actually predicted the Vikings would go to the Super Bowl back in August, back when I loved Sam Bradford, and as well as that defense and the receivers and Dalvin Cook, but they're without Bradford. They're, they're without Cook. Case Keenum, I think, will play well enough to win. I think that defense can really handle the Saints up in that building in Minneapolis and take care of business there. And that brings us down to an Atlanta at Minnesota NFC Championship game. I am going to take last year's Big choke artist Matt Ryan and the Atlanta Falcons to get back to the Super Bowl for a rematch. Patriots-Falcons, once again, I think that the Falcons can go into Minnesota and just hit them with enough weapons. They can play enough defense to stay in that ball game and then make the big play at the end of the game. Once again, trusting the quarterback and Matt Ryan over Case Keenum. That brings us back to a Super Bowl rematch. And I, I really can't decide. I really don't know who I'm going to take in that one. If it gets to that point, I think the uh, revenge factor is certainly there. But then again, you know, Tom Brady and the, what the Patriots have done time and time and time again. Maybe the Patriots win it all and then Tom Brady and Bill Belichick go out. Maybe they want to retire out that way and just say, hey, Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be here. Forget that. Once Tom Brady leaves, I'm going to leave as well for Belichick. And Brady's saying, I got six rings. I don't need to prove anymore. Let's call it good. That's kind of a Dolphins fan's wishful thinking. So if they have to win the Super Bowl, I'll take it. But uh, otherwise, let's get the Falcons win that Super Bowl. And let's go ahead and go with the Falcons making redemption on last year. They've had that Super Bowl hangover throughout the course of the year. It's kind of dragged them down a little bit. New offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian has not been nearly as good as Kyle Shanahan was. But let's get crazy. Let's call it the Atlanta Falcons over the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. And just real quick before we get out of here for today's show, talking about some of these teams, looking at Jacksonville, Buffalo, and Los Angeles, these three teams that were completely lost a year ago and have been lost for several years in the NFL as well. Buffalo obviously snapping the 17-game postseason streak. I had the Jaguars at three wins this year. Shows how much I know. And then the LA Rams from last year's disaster coming back to this was pretty cool to see. And then the New Orleans Saints, also a perpetual 7-9 and nine team, take that next step, get to 11 wins, get a home playoff game. So... Keep faith, Dolphins fans. It's, you know, every a lot can happen in one year. A lot can change. I mean, looking back to last year, the LA Rams fate are hosting the Atlanta Falcons in the NFC wildcard round. They played about 13 months ago back in Los Angeles also. And I think the Rams, or I think the Falcons beat them like 52 to nothing. It was something very ugly. So a lot can change in a year. Keep your heads up. That's going to do it for today's podcast. Leave us a rating and review. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast and check out the other Locked On Sports podcast for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Of course, check out at Locked On NFL on Twitter as well as the Locked On NFL Facebook page and check out LockedOnDolphins.com. Be back tomorrow with another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.